Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in them to the book of John, John chapter 15. We're going to finish up this chapter and then go into chapter 16 on a part of the Bible that I believe is so incredibly important. And that is that we find Jesus teaching who the Holy Spirit is. You know, there's a lot of talk today about, well, in fact, on to every man and answer, I get the question, well, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. Jesus said the unpardonable sin is all sins will be forgiven man except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of times people say, well, have I committed that? So what we'll find here this morning is Jesus teaches explicitly on what the Holy Spirit is and what he'll do in your life. Now, again, if these things are operating in your life, then you know the Holy Spirit is there. And I like that. That's how we know that we haven't done something where we've turned God off. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask that you would send your anointing of your spirit upon it, upon every person in this room and all across this nation and around the world listening by radio and the internet. We ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would fall on every person, encourage us, and bring about, Lord, that understanding that comes only from you, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, and if we go back to the very beginning, and of course, one of the things for proper exegete of the scripture, you want to look at what's called first occurrence of whatever it is you're looking at. So if you want to know more about what the Holy Spirit in the believer will do, you want to go to the very first place where the Holy Spirit was given to people. We find that in Acts chapter two, they were gathered in room. They were worshiping God. The Holy spirit came fire was above their heads and all these people started speaking in other tongues and God empowered them. Then through the rest of the new Testament, we find how God interacts with us as his believers in filling us with his Holy spirit. But what should I expect when God does that? Well, That's what we find here today. Now, Jesus starts off in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. This is really important, friends, because there's a lot of things in the world that can trouble us. You can look at the news. You can look at the weather. You can look at all the different things going on in our personal lives. There's a lot of things that will trouble us. What God wants from us today is to trust him. It's not about us. It is about him. Just like we just got done singing. Well, here is the rest of this. Now, as we've been going through the Bible line upon line, we come up and we finished last week with verse 27. But I want to back up two verses and let's go to verse 26 of chapter 15. But when the helper comes, now this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. Now we've talked about this before. The word in the Greek for the word helper is the word parakletus, which means one who will walk alongside of you. I need that in my life. And I don't care if you're saved today or you've been saved 50 years. You need one that will walk alongside you and help you in this life. 
Do you realize, and if you haven't already, the problems of this life are bigger than you and me. They just are. They're overwhelming. Uh, in fact, if you didn't have Christ to go to, you'd have to go to your bong. You'd have to go to your six pack. You'd have to go to all kinds of other things because you have to escape. You can't deal with real life. I understand why people get loaded. I understand why people get stoned. I understand why people uh, uh, have abnormal lifestyles because they're escaping. But have you ever thought that God doesn't want us to escape? He wants us to be fortified to stand in a world that is against the principles of God. Now look at this. When the helper comes, notice it's called the helper or the one that will come alongside of you, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will testify of me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, notice this. One of the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do in our lives, and that is to bear witness of Jesus Christ. Do you realize, again, friends, we can forget this because of a lot of different things. One of the things we'll do, we'll get so caught up in our daily life. Going to school, having our jobs, uh, thinking about retirement, or, or uh, whatever it might be. We forget that we're here to represent Christ in a world that doesn't know him. You are God's witnesses. Now, don't ever forget that because the devil wants you to forget that. He wants you just to feel like you're biding time till you kick off. Well, that isn't the way God works. God wants you to be a light and salt and testimony in this world. Now, why did Jesus say these things? Well, why did he first of all say, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Why did God say that? Because there are things that will trouble us. Then Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit that's going to come and help us. And he says this because these things, chapter 16, verse 1, I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Tells me a couple of things. First of all, the potential to stumble as a Christian is real. I've run into people that say, well, I'm a rock, I'm an island, you know. I'm not going to get tempted. Hey, let me tell you something. Beware you stand lest you fall. And the reason why is because we have the undercurrent of our old life that wants to take us away from the principles of God. Again, why did Jesus come? He will testify of me. God's Holy Spirit inside of you testifying of him And he says, I'm telling you these things so you won't stumble. I can guarantee you the bigger impact you make in the world against the kingdom of darkness, the greater target you are for the underworld. It's just the way it works. Why would you waste your time if you were the enemy trying to pick off people that aren't doing anything? I've had people come up to me and say, well, Mike, I've been tempted by the devil. I go, whoa, you must be pretty special. What? Yeah, because if the devil is temptating you, you must be really making a black eye in the kingdom of darkness. I found that generally speaking, we ourselves can can carry ourselves away with our youthful lusts. But you know, the Bible talks about that what happens is that the enemy comes to paralyze what God wants to do in our lives. Now notice he says, these things I've spoken to you that you would not be made to stumble. 
They will put you out of the synagogues. Oh, wait a minute. Let's just mark this out. I don't like that. They're going to put you out of the religious institutions. You mean if I stand for Jesus, I'm going to be rejected by the religious majority? Yes. I don't like that. Why? Because the religious majority is righteous in themselves. They don't need Christ. Look how good I am. Look what a stinker you are. That's kind of the attitude. Notice what Jesus says here. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming. Whoever kills you will think they're doing a service to God. Now talk about getting it all backwards. Isn't that crazy? Because really, if they were about daddy's business, if they really understood this book, they would understand one great principle. And what is that? Love. Love doesn't act like a jihadist. Love doesn't act like someone that's trying to destroy everybody else so they themselves look better. You see, the problem was with the Pharisees, if you remember, the more miracles that Jesus did, the more they hated him. Why was that? Because Jesus could do things they couldn't do. Jesus was the real deal, and because he was the real deal, it exposed that they were the fake. You try growing somebody's eyes out. You try raising somebody from the dead. If you were one of the religious people of the day saying how evil and terrible and wicked and nasty Jesus is, and Jesus goes around and raises people from the dead. Try that at home. It doesn't work, does it? Because the proof of who you are in Christ Jesus is the fruit in your life, which was brought on by the Holy Spirit. But that's how we know the real from the fake. All you have to do is look at fruit in a person's life. Now, again, what is fruit? Fruit is the ability to, as we read earlier, to bear witness of your Father in heaven. That's the fruit of your life. That's why we're here. Friends, I always thought it would be really great that when we got saved, you know, anybody want to accept Jesus? Come on down here this morning. They come down. I want to accept Jesus. And they're gone. I just thought that would be really cool, you know, that, that, that you know, we, got, we accept Christ and we're out of here. But God left us here for a reason. And what was the reason he left us here for? To be and bear witness of him. Now, understanding this, I want to do that better. How do I be a better witness for God? How do I do that? I mean, is it just like being like really goody two-shoes and, you know, helping blind dogs across the street and washing cats and, 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 and you know, curtsying to people? No, no, no. Let's look at this. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father, nor they have known me. But these things I have told you, when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. It wasn't necessary for Jesus to tell his disciples at that point. Here's why. Jesus goes around, heals people. Jesus goes around and, and blesses people. The rage of the Pharisees became intense against him. Jesus was there. Jesus was the focal point of their wrath. Jesus, I didn't tell you before. It wasn't necessary for me to tell you before. But when I'm gone, their wrath is going to go from me to you. Now, you got to remember that. Because if you don't, 
If you don't prepare yourself for it, you will find yourself experiencing it. And that's the problem that Jesus recognized would be an issue for them. Jesus said, they can't get to me, so they're going to get to you. Well, friends, are you prepared for that? So how do you know, how do you prepare for that? Now again, have anybody in this room, and I won't ask for hands, but has anybody in this room, since you become a Christian, been rejected by someone or something? Yes. A lot of times people have lost their jobs. A lot of times people have lost a spouse. A lot of times people have lost contact with their kids or their kids with their parents and their grandparents and their friends. Oh, we don't want to hang around with them anymore. They're a Jesus freak. Hear that. Or they're a religious nut now. Yeah, they always pray about everything. They got a Jesus bumper sticker on their forehead. Yeah, they're kind of crazy. Well, the problem is they don't understand. They don't understand because there was nothing in their life ever worth getting on about. In other words, there was nothing in their life that ever lit their fire because everything eventually became meaningless. Oh, you get your new card. Oh, wow, that's neat. You go out there and wax it every day, you know. And then pretty soon, a couple of months, a couple of years later, the paint's cracking. The seats are opening up. Uh, it doesn't run good like it used to anymore. And the thrill is gone. I've shared this before many times, and anybody that's older, you remember this. There was a slogan, you meet the nicest people on a Honda. And the Honda 50 came out. It was the rage of the college campuses. Everybody wanted It was a thrill, the thrill of speed, the wind blowing through what hair you have. It was great. And then the Honda 90 came out. And then the Honda 50s were old. And so up the chain until they came out with the thousands and the two thousands. And then they had the Harleys and the fat boys and all that kind of stuff. I've heard this joke before. You know the difference between a Harley Davidson rider and a Hoover vacuum cleaner. The Harley Davidson has the dirt bag on the outside. Sorry if you have a Harley. I'm just kidding. But the point is is that really we're looking for thrills and they go away. Well, when you find Christ, you realize that no matter what the weather is, what the mood of our uh, world is, Jesus is always what it's about. How do I stay focused? Boy, I'll tell you, that's a hard one, ain't it? How do I stay focused on what matters in life without letting it get old? Because I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, the thrill is gone. You know, I mean, they, they, they treat the relationship with God like they would uh, uh, something that they bought. Well, here we find this. He says, I'm telling you this beforehand. So when the persecution comes, that gives people a lot of times an excuse not to let their light shine. Well, you know, I don't want to talk about Jesus anymore. Last time I did that, I got fired from my job. I just want to shut up. Can't do that. And here's why. But now I go away to him, verse 5, to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus realizes that he's going to need to give his closest, dearest disciples part of himself to continue on. I like that about God. We're not orphans. A lot of times... We feel all alone in the world. I think sometimes the aloneness is more exaggerated in a Christian's life sometimes than a person in the world because the world loves its own. 
But somebody who loves God, sometimes you may be the only Christian in your family. You may be the only Christian at your job site. You may be the only Christian, even in a group of Christians, that really want to see something for God be accomplished. And so he says, I go to him who sent me. And he says, I don't want your hearts to be filled with sorrow. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the comforter, the helper, will not come to you. If I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now there's so much in that one verse, we could spend a month just talking about this one verse. When the Holy Spirit comes, what does he say? He will convict the world of sin. Now, people have said, well, I think I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to hell, fry, spit, and sizzle. You know, no, 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 no. First of all, you wouldn't be asking the question if the Holy Spirit had departed from you. What does the Holy Spirit do? So if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you reject or shine on the Holy Spirit, what would you expect to find if you did that? First of all, what does the Holy Spirit do? If you like to make marks in your Bible, and I do, mark this. Mine is marked. He will convict the world of sin. That is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, if the Holy Spirit has departed from an individual, they are no longer convicted of their sin. They can live in their sin, be self-satisfied, and die in their sin. Pretty scary. That invisible Holy Spirit comes and says, you know what? You are on the wrong road in life. And you know, I, I, I do believe that there are mile markers on the road of life And I believe there are indicators that let us know if we're on the right road or we're on the wrong road. The mile markers of life are pretty interesting if you think about it. What is it that determines or breaks distinction from one day to the next? Mile marker. You can go back five years and think about your vacation that you took. Most of you can't remember it, can you? I know I can't. But I can tell you When I went on a vacation and it rained, I can tell you when the roof leaked in the tent and dripped on my face, I remember it as vivid as if it happened yesterday. And it was 20 years ago. How is it that I know that? How is it that that instance put a mile marker in time where the rest of my vacation I can't even remember? Because there's things that God allows to happen to us that cause us to think about our life. Now, think about the funerals that you've gone to. Now, that's some, that's some mile markers, ain't it? Uncle Fred's not here anymore. Or my buddy John. Or somebody else that we love are gone. Those are mile markers. That lets us know time is passing. Well, you think about it a little bit. A little bit more. You think about other things that mark your life. Things where you're on the wrong road. When you ended up with a DUI and you're before a judge. That's a mile marker. But that's a mile marker telling you you're on the wrong course. There are those things in our lives as a Christian when we led somebody to Christ or we let our light shine or you made a difference in somebody's life. That's a mile marker, but I'll let you know you're on the right road. The Holy Spirit comes along to convict of sin. Now, 
the, all sins will be forgiven man, Jesus said, except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is what tells any person in this world, you need Jesus. You need to repent. You are a sinner. Now, I know that's not popular in today's world because we go to, we have churches that just placate to how beautiful we all are. Oh, you're so cute. Well, you really are in Jesus. But in ourselves, we're not. And I'll tell you, this is one of the things that we have a problem with today. The gospel message has been corrupted in that you accept Jesus and your ideas and your dreams and your visions and your aspirations will all happen when you accept Christ as your Savior. Well, on the surface, it sounds kind of right, but that's not what being a Christian is. When we come to Christ, we lay at his feet all of our ideas, dreams, aspirations, and visions and say, God, I'm scrapping that. I'm all about your business now. That's what a Christian is. Not one that says, you know, God, I have all these ideas. I ask you to bless it. Hocus pocus, dominocus, Nabisco vanilla wafers. You make it happen, God. Well, that's not the way it works. We say, okay, God, I'm willing to lay all this down. Now I want to be about your business. That's the God, that's the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin. Now a person says, I don't want to hear that. I want to live life. I want to do it my way. Well, you've shined on the Holy Spirit. You see, because if you're convicted of your sins, you'd say, God, I'm sorry. I'm living my life my way for my goals and my dreams and my aspirations, but they're nothing about you anymore. So it's no longer really, as we found back here in the other verse, it says, he will testify of me. It's I'm trying to testify of the world of me. And that's not it. That's not God. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes, what will he do? Let's look at this again, verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin. That's the first thing that you're going to find the Holy Spirit doing in an individual's life, in our life. And when a person rejects that call of the Holy Spirit, they're still lost and dead in their sins. The second thing, it says, of righteousness. He will reveal to us what righteousness is. Isn't that great? It isn't determined by Hollywood or it isn't determined by our society, but that God tells us when we're right. The whole world may even say you're wrong, but as long as you're in Christ, you're going to know you're right. You're doing what God's called you to do. So we have the Holy Spirit telling us what is, what is evil, convicting us of sin. Then we have the Holy Spirit telling us what is righteous. And notice the last part of this, and of judgment. Now judgment is pretty scary. And and it should scare people if they're not born again, because that's what awaits a non-believer, is a judgment. You're going to give an account of all the things you've ever done. Now, one of two things. You're going to try to placate and try to represent, you're going to try to be the lawyer of your own sinful lifestyle before God someday, when God says, roll the tape. You know, it's kind of funny. I think we have a a little bit different perspective of things uh, in our society today than they did even 100 years ago. Where the idea of us being, did you ever seen that in all the videos and all that stuff? How, how there's video cameras everywhere and people, you know, you know, they're going to break in a car and they're doing this. They get the pry bar out and here they're on camera. 
I'm amazed. And I think, you know, 100, 200 years ago, God, the idea of everything that we do being recorded was kind of like kind of an obscure thought that how could that ever be? It's something as funky as man is. We've invented a way to record everything that we do. Imagine God's heavenly zoom in lens with 18 billion pixels. God has a way of recording all these things. There's a judgment that comes. Now, that should and could scare a person to death if they weren't born again. Now, if you're born again, your sins are forgiven. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.